0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. And Alex Stone. And Alex, we're still doing it. We're still podcasting. Not much, we're still here. Not much to talk about, but we're doing it.
1: We're still here.
0: We're still here. And uh, because of our schedules, we don't know who the September call-ups are. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give a big congrats to... um Kramer. Kevin Kramer, uh, Cole Tucker, wait, is he still up? No,
1: no, he was sent back
0: down. Cole Tucker, congrats to him. Um, Alex McRae, congrats to him. Some catcher, congrats to him. And uh, not Kebrian Hayes. Nah, that's a... uh, I don't
1: know. We still don't know about Kebrian yet.
0: Yeah, well, you'll know (laughs) by the time you're listening to this, but in all honesty, what are we going to say? He's either going to get called up and. If he's not part of that
1: first batch, he's not coming up this year. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be a big batch where, like, Cole and Kevin and Kramer, Jason Martin, once the season in AAA is officially over, they're going to come up. And if he's not part of that group, he's not coming.
0: So we'll have a rant. All right. So, the answer that I really want to know has nothing to do with minor leaguers. It has everything to do with uh, quite literally the best all around baseball player on the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy I wrote off at the beginning of the season, one Steven Squid Brault. 442 foot two, Homer. Is that how long it went? 441. 441. Still, an absolute blast. I don't care if you're playing in Colorado. The moon, wherever. That that's an impressive distance on a home run. And what's been even more impressive has been his pitching this year. A guy who I thought, I mean, I was ready to give up on, uh, has been semi-reliable. He's not an ace. No one expected him to be an ace, but I think it's fair to say that he's earned a spot in next year's rotation. At least you know, as it stands right now, unless they go out and sign like three guys. Alex, has Stephen Brault been the Pirates' best pitcher not named Felipe Vasquez this year?
1: Uh, that's a good question. My mind, whenever you, you brought this up real fast, I went to Keone Kella also, who I know who had the really bad start at the beginning of the year, but he his arm was clearly not right. Since he's come off the injured list, he has been downright unhittable. So I, I, I'm thinking maybe Keone also but there, but I would definitely say Brault has been the best starting pitcher. And that's not even really a question. And a big year for him. This was his make or break year, pretty much. Like this was either going to be, you know, he had one option remaining. So it's like, okay, is so he got to just bounce between AAA, the majors, maybe make a spot starter? Two, he got that opportunity, and he didn't let it go. I mean, this has been a very important year for his career. This was put up or shut up time, and he put up.
0: Yeah, and I think that. What he did this year was solidify himself. I don't think he'll ever play another game in AAA, unless if it's a rehab assignment for the rest of his career. At least, I hope so. Unless if he has a huge regression next year, which he probably will just because I just said that. Uh, But I think that he showed that he is a major league caliber pitcher. I don't know if he's going to be a starter for the rest of his career. I think it's obvious that he does significantly better as a starter compared to being a reliever. While some guys it doesn't matter, you can plug them in wherever, I do believe there's just some people who are very routine-oriented and once they, they, they do better once they're in the routine that they're more comfortable in. And he's clearly more comfortable being a starter, knowing when he's going to pitch, knowing who he has to prepare for as opposed to being a bullpen guy and just you know you're kind of like a firefighter it's just whenever you're needed you're you're called to duty and I don't think he does I don't think he enjoys that role he's kind of been vocal about that and um, I'm happy that he's got his groove I think that I've been pondering this question is a playoff is Steven brought in the starting rotation for a playoff team I think maybe as a back I was gonna say He's the five guy that you don't pitch in October.
1: See, I, you see I, I think that's the other. I'm a little higher where I'd say he's the number four guy where he goes game four in the series and then maybe makes an appearance to the bullpen, kind of like what Charlie Morton was in that stacked Astros rotation in 2017.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I was going to say one last. I think that like uh, for a really good team... I still, I think Stephen Brault's like a solid 4-5 guy. Yeah, he might be your 4. I think Stephen Brault is a solid 4 guy for a playoff team who adds a fifth pitcher to that rotation, and then he becomes the 5 guy. Something along those lines. Yeah, but I mean, and the dude can hit, honestly. Like, he probably could be a major league outfielder.
1: Seriously, I looked it up. Pitchers with at least 20 plate appearances this year, he has the second best OPS in the National League. Only one who's better is Zach Greinke, who's in the American League now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Stephen Brault's got an outside dark horse chance at a Silver Slugger. Silver
0: Slugger campaign for Stephen Brault. How great would that be? I, you know, I'll, I, I think I've said this on the podcast. He had one of the most impressive batting practice rounds that I've watched. Uh, you know, comparing it. So, uh, I remember watching Pedro Alvarez take batting practice at Wrigley when I was a kid. And that was like... Awesome, just watching him hit it all over Wrigleyville. I watched the Yellich practice for the Home Run Derby where he broke the boat. Um, obviously, JB has has a fun batting practice routine if you want to watch that. But Brault, I remember watching him get in the box, and I was like, okay, is this guy just going to hit line drives? What's the deal here? I mean, he painted he painted the right field seats white with baseballs. It was impressive. So, good for him. Glad to see him. He's been one of the only people that have stepped up. This year. And one of the only people who have gotten better as a pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. Felipe, I guess you could say, got better. I mean...
1: Felipe, I think, just hit max level when he, he's still at max level. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, yeah, it's... He got better at certain things. He's been more consistent, I guess you could say, so that's better. He didn't have... Is
1: it- more consistent, because I feel like his first two years in Pittsburgh, he really just had like that one bad week in That's what I was
0: going to say. He, he didn't have a bad week. Granted, he didn't have okay. a lot of opportunities to have that bad of a week, because they, they've hardly used him. But, I mean, if you look up and down the rest of the roster, I, I guess Nick Birdie took a step forward before he blew up his arm again. Uh, Keone has had, like you said, but the thing is, everyone's going to remember Keone Kella for things this year, and it's not going to be his impressive numbers since coming off the IL. It's going to be him stinking it up in the beginning of the year, him getting in a fight with the coaches, him throwing at people's heads, yeah. not wanting to talk to the media, and part of that's his fault, part of that's not his fault. But overall, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. He's been good, but I still think the MVP, most valuable pitcher, we will give it to Stephen Brown. He'll
1: probably finish with the most four. How about that? Yeah. If you want to.
0: Yeah. That's a good way to demonstrate value. Gregory Polanco. I was scrolling through some, uh, some articles for an outlet. Now that Alex is a big J journalist, I'm not going to name other outlets that he doesn't work for because I respect the biz. <laughs> but this outlet had an article one day. It was Polanco is done for the year. And then a couple days later, it had Neil Huntington not ruling out a Polanco return in 2019. My guess is he said that on his radio show on Sunday. Um, what are we doing here? I, I mean, I, there are times... It's hard to believe that Gregory Polanco was as good as he was last year for the Pirates and how they really haven't had a lot of offensive issues. And he's basically been out all year. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's wild to think that he's not missed at all right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is missed now because it's pretty clear that there's only two outfielders. I know Jose Asuna's been in right field a lot of starts, but yeah. he's he's not an outfielder. I, I actually kind of like him as a third baseman defensively. Nothing great, and maybe it's just, you know, comparing him to the incumbent and in Colin Moran. But it's like, yeah, he looks pretty decent right there, mm-hmm. but he he is really a first baseman that's you know, playing mm-hmm. out of position. And even though it's not necessarily his fault, mm-hmm. you can tell he's playing out of position. So, yeah, Pirates could still use an outfielder. I mean, whether or not they keep Marte this offseason, they need a big power guy. There's, I mean, we're in the home run era, and this is a Billy Bean quote where, like, if you win, if you hit more home runs than the other team, you're going to win 75% of your games. And that's not, you know, that's like an actual number, seventy five percent. And there is no one on this roster who has more untapped power now. Now that Josh Bell's finally, you know, tapped into that power, than Polanco. Polanco could be a, if Polanco played with this juice ball, he would have cracked thirty home runs easily. I oh, mean, yeah. He, had, what?
0: he would have them by yeah. now.
1: He had six or seven in a month, you know, swinging one armed. So I think he's, I think he's going to be this. He still can be this big power bat. This year has been a lost year, though. I don't see any benefit bringing him back in September, especially as a fielder, because you would have to activate him off the 60-day IL, meaning that you would be taking a spot away from a kid, or even just, you know, a third-string catcher, you know, just to provide a little dip there, or, you know, a Parker Markell pitcher to pitch the ninth inning blowouts, you know, and save your other arms. I don't see how, A, Polanco would be worth taking that spot away in worthless games, and B, how he would get any benefit. I mean, it, it. Basically, the only argument is for him to end the year on a positive note, that this wasn't a completely lost year. But I don't buy that. I, maybe it would be a good morale win for him, but he kind of had his morale win whenever he tried rushing back at April. I, I don't see it really being worth it.
0: Yeah, that was, I was, I was going to point out, We Gregory Polanco got injured playing in pointless baseball games last year.
1: Well, they were still semi-competitive. No, by so. that
0: time, I think you, they were like way out of it by then. But anyway, okay. Uh, the guy, I mean, it, it really hasn't been talked about enough how bad the Pirates look trying to rush this guy back. He should not have played a Major League Baseball game until at least June. And I think they looked at what they did in the offseason, and they, you know, they were supposed to be this pitching juggernaut of a team coming into the year. And they looked around, and they just thought, this guy's our best hitter. We need him back in the lineup. And if his arm isn't okay, we'll have to suck it up because we don't have, you know. And then when Dickerson went down, they are like, especially, like, oh my god. Because they didn't know what they were going to get with Brian Reynolds. Melky had a really good, solid first half in the year. They weren't even expecting him to make the team. Lonnie Chisenhall, remember that name? He's still... <laughs> he's still. I I mean... Have you ever seen Lonnie Chisenhall in person? Yes. Oh, wait, I've I have too. Yeah, he was around for like April. Was he? Yeah, I saw him like two times.
1: Okay, I, I was going even further. I was doing a pirate fest. Um, oh. Spring training. Or go to the exhibition game in Houston this year. So, like, he got hurt right before then. I, he now that you mentioned, I think he did pop it. I Yeah, remember
0: because originally punch. this was supposed to be a quick fix.
1: Like, yeah, it, it was like just a broken hand, and then you know, Melky got good, and Brian Reynolds burst onto the scene, and all of a sudden, I guess he just kind of realized, oh no, my calf that hurts too now. Yeah, and no, so, I know how you hurt a calf that you say is better. I mean, I'm willing to accept, you know, the BS, you know, best I've ever felt, you know, entering into spring training, you know, cliche, but if you say the calf is better and then you break your hand and then rehabbing, breaking your hand, you hurt your calf. I mean, yeah, it can happen.
0: I've talked to people up here about him. Uh, Apparently, he is a little bit of a basket case. And... I'm not one to, like, what's that?
1: Reputation in your neck of the woods.
0: What's that? Say that again. Does
1: hypochondriac reputation in your neck of the woods.
0: Hypochondriac's one thing. Um, he had a pretty good career in Cleveland. Like, people, he was very popular amongst the fans here. Uh, but, like, media people said there might be, like, it might it might be, like, a mental health thing more than it is, like, a physical thing.
1: Where, well, maybe he just needed a year away from baseball.
0: I guess. What a, Could you imagine if the outfield next year was Reynolds, Chisholm, Holland, and Polanco?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be poor Brian Reynolds and then two other people a couple weeks into the season.
0: Yeah, for real. No, I mean, this Polanco thing, it's been frustrating because he's when he's on... I mean, I still think he has... One of the most beautiful swings I've ever seen. That home run swing is just incredible. And he's got the body to be great. And he showed potential both, you know, with his arm. That's gone now. But his hitting, he can run. That's kind of gone now too. But he can still hit is, I guess, the point. And the balls are juiced. You need a left-handed power bat. And and, the idea of him and Bell both healthy, 4-5 in your lineup, I mean, that's pretty good. And then Marte in front of them, if you're able to hold on to them, that's a good 3-4-5. Then you put Reynolds in front of Marte, that's a good 2-3-4-5. And then you put Newman at the leadoff spot, that's a good 1-5 on any team if they're all healthy. But this Polanco thing, I don't know how much longer you can wait
1: on it, man. You know what? If 2019 was Brault's put-up-or-shut-up year, 2020 is Polanco's.
0: And I feel like he's had a couple of those. 2018 was a put-up-or-shut-up year for Polanco, wasn't it?
1: What he did in 2018? He hit.
0: Yeah, he put yeah. up. But I can't believe like, how many put up or shut up years do you get?
1: You know what? I think twenty eighteen was the put up or shut up that you could actually hit in the major leagues. 2020 is you gotta hit and you've got to put in your whole season. You are you're out of
0: goodwill. This is it. Yeah. This is it. And then what? You just put O'Neill Cruz there in twenty twenty one?
1: He'd probably be close to being Major League ready there, and I, I don't think he's going to be a Major League shortstop.
0: No, similar build to Polanco, too. He's like 6'4". So. Yeah, why not? We just figured yeah. it out. All right, so that ends our riveting Gre- Gregory Polanco talk. I, I feel bad for the guy because Greg's a nice dude, and he I do believe that he works hard. I think that he makes some dumb plays every now and then. I, I mean, the slide that hurt him is still one of the more embarrassing things that I've seen in recent Pirates history, and that's saying a lot. But I, I want to see him succeed because he has the talent. He has the tools to be very good at this game, and, and you're just waiting for it. You're just waiting for it. That, could be, that still could be the dream outfield that we were promised in 2011. Jeez. All right. This last Pirates topic was brought to us by one of our loyal listeners, Scott Ritz, a uh, close personal friend of mine. He was uh, my roommate, Dalton's dad. Alex, you remember him? My roommate? Yep, our, yeah. Um, so this is Dalton's dad, Scott. He's been listening to us from the jump. Uh, he wants to know catching options for next year. As of right now, Jacob Sallings is probably the opening day catcher.
1: At, at the moment, yeah.
0: Um, oh, by the yeah. way, I gotta give a shout out to your boy Nate. Um, Gold box stats on Twitter, because we had him on last year, and he was reading his article about like fake home runs if they're legit or not. And he pointed out, he said Diaz's home runs were all like lucky, basically, and that he would have a huge power regression this year. Remember that?
1: I I remember that. I remember that now.
0: So shout out Nate. That was. Good pickup. Good call, kid.
1: So they, they need to address the... And all of us put together, it feels like. What? Nate. Like, he's in, like, the top five, like, Pittsburgh
0: baseball minds, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty freaking smart. Yeah. All right. So we move forward now, looking at the catcher position this offseason. This has to be... I mean, like, you... There have been times where the Pirates, you can't just go into the season with Adam Frazier as your starting second baseman. You can't just go into the season, you know, with whoever, with Jordan Lyles in your starting rotation, whatever the case is, with Eric Gonzalez as your starting shortstop. We've said this. They really cannot. It will be unacceptable to have these two catchers back as your only catchers in 2020. Is that fair to say?
1: I I think it is. I mean, that's... The only way where you can't accept, you know, it's Elias is and Jacob Stallings is uh, you blew it up this offseason. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any time to address catching situation. But no, if you are even a little bit serious about competing in 2020, you have to upgrade catcher. And I, and not to pick on poor Elias, I feel like I've picked on him for months now. The whole but year. it's... Jacob has had a good year. That is- he's had a good year at the bat. He's had a good year in the field. He has had a good year, you know, working with pitchers. I mean, there's a reason why Joe Musgrove and Chris Archer, he catches all their starts. Yeah. It's he's built rapport with these guys that he really never had, you know, any connection with. That's kind of the, you know, his, there's another sports cliche. His dad was a coach. You can see him kind of, you know, mm-hmm that rubbing off on him how well he's able to do that and reach the pitching staff in different ways that you know the coaching staff might not be able to not through fault of the coaching staff but just because it's nice to get you know a player's perspective of some things i i don't twenty jacob stallings should be the backup catcher i think and he'd be a really good backup we're talking like 2014 2015 chris stewart good backup he's where too. he's that yeah, that's, you know, a solid war plus from the backup catcher position. Not a sexy war, but a,
0: I agree. Wait, no, 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 I agree 100%. That's a good... That's He's basically another bench coach, Stallings.
1: Yeah, that's what I basically want from him. But you need to upgrade over Elias Diaz for the mm-hmm. starting.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we each have three names. Alex, yes. I'll let you go off with your three
1: first. Okay. And and their names I've brought up in the past. Yasmani Grendol. That's happening. the big fit. Part if the I, I seriously doubt it would happen, but but if the parts did sign Yasmani Grendol, you know, maybe they got a lot of money from this new T V deal, and they're like, you know what, we're gonna parlay it parlay it into the team, really go for it. I think the parts do become like contenders with Yasmani Grendol. How old no is
0: other- How old is he? Thirty two? Okay, Ish. that's another thing everyone in this free agent market as a catcher the youngest is like 30. okay yeah they're but all yeah. old
1: yeah well also Yasmani is probably gonna sign like a three-year deal probably this offseason mm-hmm. and they just get to know cervelli who's in his early 30s a three-year deal also so there I, I think they could be that out of character it would just be the money and even then again the money probably wouldn't even be that much more we're talking like five million a year tops. Uh, Mike Zanino, another guy, good pitch framer, good reputation with pitchers. He's really, really struggled as a hitter this year. If you buy that, you know, this is just a bad year and he could go back to like his 2017 or even his 2018 form as a hitter, we're talking like a two, maybe three war catcher. If not, then you still have, you know, a guy who'd be worth half a win and that would still be a win and a half upgrade over Elias Diaz, which would still be a marginal improvement. And uh, my other guy is Jason Castro, and the only reason I have him third on my list is even though he, you know, is probably going to be the most price efficient for the Pirates, has a great reputation as a pitch framer, and is having a great offensive season, even if you look at this as an abnormality mm-hmm. compared to the rest of his career, Uh it's the injury history. You kind of need to have, you know, that Jacob Stallings type catcher and AAA that you can call up at a moment's notice. And if the Pirates do not have that at the moment, they would need to sign someone. They would have to sign like another Ryan LaVarnway type catcher, I think, if they go with uh, Castro. I'm not saying that they shouldn't anyway, but they would really have to emphasize that, I think.
0: Okay. So my mentality was I was going to go after guys who have been around program, or not programs franchises that have had successful pitching in the last five years, who have caught Cy Young caliber pitchers and who can relay that wisdom on and also contribute a little bit at the plate. Um, some of these names are names. Uh, so my first name is Travis Darnell. Uh He's playing for Tampa Bay right now. He would be a league minimum signing. I mean, you could pay him hardly anything. He isn't the starter, I don't even think, for Tampa Bay, but he has the experience of catching some really good pitchers from the New York Mets. Pretty sure they DFA'd him this year, and he plays for the Rays right now. He's 31. He's one of the younger guys on the market, and again, this is a very cheap investment. I think that's probably the most realistic catcher that they'll bring in would be Travis Darnell. Thoughts, Alex?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't even thought of Travis Darno. So he said that, and I pulled up my phone. And you know what? He's played for three teams this year. Mm-hmm. Three hundred seventeen plate appearances, one point six WAR. Yeah, that's that's a very quietly effective ball player right there. I'll give him that.
0: You could give him a million dollars a year for two years. I. Why not?
1: I don't think he'd sign that cheap, but he, I as like a bounce back guy maybe get him on a he would definitely be a dollar store
0: version. Yeah. All right, so that's he, my first one.
1: Can we get his Money grand doll? We have Yasmani Money grand doll at home. Yes Money grand doll at home. Travis Tarno.
0: All right. My second name is a guy that I've mentioned before, Martin Maldonado. Um I just think with working with the Houston staff that definitely can't hurt. Uh and I'm not I'm not trying to be like that guy, it's like, oh, you gotta trade for Brady's backup or Aaron Rodgers' backup because they were they were with the GOAT. Like, I that's not how it works. I get that. But they do have some wisdom that the Pirates clearly don't. Like organizations like Tampa Bay, organizations like Houston. And a guy who is in charge of running that pitching staff probably knows a little bit of something that can help. Because I think it's been obvious. That the Pirates pitchers, when they have a certain catcher with them, they pitch a lot better when they don't have said catcher. Like, the, the fallout without Cervelli was, was pretty clear this year. And it got a little better when Stallings started getting regular playing time. But I think Maldonado's a guy, again, he has postseason experience. The offense is okay. But honestly, I don't really worry about the offense. I think that the way the baseball's juiced, juiced, anyone can hit 15 home runs. Anyone. I mean, Scott Kingery has 16. Did you see the home run he hit? I think it was today.
1: today. Yeah. Was just, that was,
0: that's yeah. I mean, like, yeah, anyone can hit 15 home runs. Anyone can – and you're going to bat him eighth anyway, so who cares? Just – that's not a bad signing in my opinion. I think you could get him affordable. Third one, I don't think you're going to like this one. But, again, worked with a very good pitching staff for most of his career. Uh this last year he signed he got he was traded to another team with a very good pitching staff. Has not had a good year, but I think because of that his value will be down, and we could probably get him for a cheaper discount. Former all-star Jan Gomes. Yeah. To uh, me, I, I mean you take this year and I think he's had some injury problems. He hasn't played a lot, he's had a horrible year at the plate. Um Like, pretty much all analytics suggest that he's just been pretty bad, which is, you know, fine because it's not the Pirates' problem if he's bad right now. But I think that, uh, overall, he's been a decent catcher. And again, Cleveland, I would say, is probably one of the top five pitching organizations in baseball. They've always been able to churn out talent from the mound, dating back over a decade ago. They develop well, and they're, they're doing it this year. That's why they're able to contend. I wouldn't put him in the same category as Houston as far as, you know, being revolutionary with spin rate and everything, but I, I still think he could bring something to the table. You're going to have to pay him a little bit mo- more money than the first two guys I named, but I think that his ceiling's probably higher than both of theirs. I mean, this is a former all-star. This is a guy, I think what if he could stay healthy, he probably could hit 20 home runs. What do Once, you think?
1: Is Jan going to be a, catch, a free agent this year? Or?
0: Yeah, that's... Like, what I read. Okay. Because tra- the oh. Indians traded him with one year left on his deal. He's making $9 million this year with Washington. Say that again?
1: I, guess that was- I didn't know if there was an option next year or not.
0: No. That well, pretty- I doubt Washington will pick it up after the year he's had anyway.
1: Yeah, catchers are hard to come by. That's uh, true. Jan, I mean, he's basically only had the one good year, and even that was kind of spoken mirrors as far as offenses go. But yeah, if, if you want the reputation, and you know Neil Huntington did come from Cleveland, he does seem to still have a lot of that Cleveland blood still in him. Like a lot of Pirates moves he's made, you know, mm-hmm. you see Cleveland twinkle in the eye. So yeah, I could see that as a possible. You see him as possible uh, target right there. All three of the guys you named, I think, would be not only upgrades but reasonable guys for how then the catcher-free agent market and trade market is. I, I should say that with Zanino also. He has one year of team control remaining, but I imagine Tampa Bay is going to non-tender him or trade him. I don't see them paying him big bucks mm-hmm. the replacement level. Uh, it's going to be it, – it, it's kind of a weird situation where there aren't really that many home runs of catchers available, but there are a lot of, you know – one to two war players that would definitely A be a humongous upgrade for the catching position right now and B be very affordable. Yeah.
0: And that's it's it's really on it's very similar to the middle infield situation from last offseason. Where, you know, you have like the the one guy like Machado that everyone was gonna is gonna anyone who wants a middle infielder is gonna go after. Um but aside from that, you got a lot of guys in their early 30s who are probably going to be able to be acquired for a team-friendly deal and provide value. Like, it still pisses me off that they didn't sign DJ LeMayhew. Guy's an MVP candidate.
1: You know what? All, that's another one where I'm going to let you take your victory lap. I said Brian Dozier. You said DJ LeMayhew. And woof, woof.
0: I mean, he's I, I, he's the best player on the best team in the American League.
1: He's yeah, yeah. I mean this year.
0: But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like overall, yeah. If we're, I, I I would think Stanton and Judge and a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, but no, this year he's been their best player, and you could have had him for nine million dollars or whatever they signed. I mean, it was stupid cheap. You could have had him yeah. cheaper than Cervelli.
1: Basically, mm. speaking of what, speaking of Cervelli, did you see the uh, the picture of Mark Melanson? Yeah, you know, congratulating Cervelli after he got the save. And it Francisco's got a million dollar smile on him. It warmed my black bitter heart.
0: Good you for know, just you. good for that. One. Just, Who's your NL team in the playoffs this year? Who are you rooting for?
1: Ah, uh, I guess the Braves, just so I can sound smart.
0: I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I All picked right. them to win the World Series this year. I'm riding with it.
1: Uh, and that's kind of why I'm going with the Braves. Plus, I'm, I'm really enjoying Acuna. And, you, you know, Francisco, Melanson. Yeah. Get them right. All right. Francisco.
0: So that concludes the first part of our show. The second part of our show, um, we're going to bring back the interview. I'm going to be speaking with Chris Miller. Um, Most of the people listening to the show know Chris. Um, They might not know him personally, but they've seen Chris. They've probably interacted with Chris. They've definitely looked at Chris. Uh, If they've been to a Pirate game, he is part of the renegades of the rotunda. He dresses up like the Pirates of the Caribbean guys. One of the most diehard Pirates fans you're going to find. He and his squad, they stand on the, the rotunda out in left field, and they're cheering for every pitch, pretty much every game. And... They're both very good to us. They've had Alex and I, you know, come over and talk. On my last day of work with the po- uh, with the fan, he waited by uh, our pregame show and said goodbye to me in person. That was really cool of him. Um, but Chris and I are going to talk about an event that they're putting on. The Renegades are putting on for one of our uh, for one of Alex's coworkers and for the guy who really is responsible for introducing Alex and myself. We met in the press box, but we kind of interacted for the first time through Jason Rolison, who, if you haven't heard, has cancer. Um, Is it in the kidney? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not good. You know, cancer sucks. It's obviously affected all of us one way or another. We pretty much everyone, you know, can say they've lost a friend or a loved one or a coworker or somebody from that disease. And we're not, You know We're not counting Jason out yet. Jason's awesome. He's going to fight and he's going to beat it and we're excited for him to do so. He's going to battle and we're going to be along with them every step of the way. But the Renegades are doing a little bit of a a little event coming up here within the month of September that's going to make things, you know, try to help out Jason just a little bit, him and his family. So be sure to tune into this interview.
1: I'll be at said event also, so if you want to say hi to me,
0: yes, you can meet you can meet the world famous Alex Stump at the event. Um, but yeah, if you want to find out more, well, you're going to anyway because uh, we're gonna to speak to Chris Miller from the Renegades of the Rotunda right now. <laughs> Joining us now on the phone is a guy that most of you Pirate fans have probably seen. Some of you have probably met, but not many of you know his actual name. His name is Chris Miller, and he's with the Renegades on the Rotunda, Renegades of the Rotunda. Those guys that you see um, dressed up as actual Pirates at the Pirates games in left field at the Rotunda. Uh, He is the leader of them. He is joining us today for our show. Chris, how are you?
2: I'm well, my friend. I'm well. It's nice to hear from you.
0: It's good, yeah. It's good to catch up. Uh, I know Alex and I both made some stops over on the Rotunda this year, uh, and you know, back when the Pirates were playing relevant baseball, and uh, <laughs> well, at
2: least but, fun baseball. I don't even know about relevant. Yeah,
0: I, you know, I think fun's a better word for it. But nonetheless, we both <laughs> caught up with you. You guys have been very big supporters of our podcast throughout the years, and um, we want to be supporters of yours for this event that you're holding. For one of our friends, Jason Rollison. can you tell us a little bit more about the event?
2: Yeah, you know, we decided a little while back that uh, because they have all the games at the end of the year at 3 o'clock, the last game's at 3 now, it's the start time for everything, that that would be a really cool day to have a big tailgate. And uh, if anybody knows Jason or has been following him on Twitter and and understands what happened, uh, Jason got a pretty nasty diagnosis uh, uh, health-wise. And we decided to take that opportunity to help him out. So instead of just a tailgate we're going to make it into a fundraiser and it's going to be our way of uh helping Jason and his wife Jessica deal with some of the expenses that are going to come up and it's just uh, uh it's supposed to be a pretty lighthearted way to kind of get everybody together.
0: Okay. Um have you ever met Jason? Uh
2: I you know what? I met Jason once and I think it was at Pirate Fest years ago mm-hmm. and I can almost guarantee he doesn't remember. <laughs> but huh. But uh, it, Jason's always been a big supporter of ours on Twitter. We talk very regularly. We share a lot of the same articles. We have constructive conversations about stuff. Uh, I always buy the Pirates Guide. I have them sitting on my shelf right now. There we go. But uh, Jason's always been very good to us, and it's it's our chance to kind of say thanks.
0: So what can what can we expect for those who will be in attendance at said at said party?
2: Well, this thing's kind of getting a little more legs. than i had ever anticipated Mm -hmm. uh right now we're collecting some donations uh we're going to be doing some raffles we're going to be doing 50 50s we're going to be selling wristbands if you want to come have something to drink uh have something to eat and all the proceeds are going straight to jason and jessica um right now and we've approached a, a couple businesses and everybody we've talked to and the list is actually growing right now uh that are donating gift cards um a friend of mine that's in the, the Penguins organization just donated uh, two of his uh, club seats for a game. So we'll be raffling those ones off, too. So it's it's just nice to see everybody kind of coming together.
0: And you said this is on September 28th, correct?
2: September 29th. 29th. Is the, yeah, that's the Sunday. The tailgate's going to start at noon. And where and is, the at- thing is we're We're right off Federal Street. It's the canal lot. Uh, it's just under the tracks on Federal Street, right before you get to the Allegheny Commons. Okay. And it's nice. It's a big open space. We have some grass. There's some bathrooms there. We have everything you need.
0: All right. So, how many people are you hoping for for this?
2: Well, it, initially I thought maybe 50 people, mm-hmm. and it it looks like that's going to be a really conservative estimate. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like this uh this thing's really taken off, and you know what? The more, the merrier.
0: Absolutely. I, I wish I could be there. I don't know how we're
2: going to feed everybody, but I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, we'll figure it out along the way. I wish I yep. could be there. I think um, I think maybe I might have to help out, hit up our main sponsor, uh, Slice on Broadway. We'll see if they can help out a little bit there.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. They're really good folks, and, and we'd be happy to have them.
0: I, yeah, I might have to put in a call uh, later I know, this week. I,
2: I know I always make that my stop for uh, afternoon games.
0: You're darn right. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the event. Now... I wanted to have you on just as a guest in general to talk about the Renegades, because again, I feel like every fan base has, you know, their marquee fan. Uh, like Cleveland, here, in, you know, Cleveland. There's the John Adams, the guy who bangs the drum in the left field bleachers. Mm. Um, you know, there's the New York Jets guy who has the fire helmet.
2: Uh, Fireman Ed. Did yeah. he get
0: arrested? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I mean, Boltman got arrested for the Chargers. Uh, I know oh that. Uh, yeah,
2: I remember that. Yeah. I always thought that Boltman was the mascot, Then it turns out no. No. And that's that's when I found out.
0: Yes. And he tried to sell his costume on eBay for like ten thousand dollars or something.
2: Oh, good lord! <laughs> so,
0: as I, I think it would be safe to say, you are kind of, or you and your crew are that fan group for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You guys regularly attend games. Um, you're very you're always seen on TV on you know, on the commercials and everything, how long?
2: Well, that's, un, that's unfair because uh, we're the only people that still go.
0: That's true. That is true. <laughs> but how, how long have you been doing this for the Renegades? Uh,
2: you know what? It was actually, and, and I just uh, took a screenshot and said it to my buddy, um, that the, the anniversary post, what I called it, came up, so it was five years ago, whenever, at like 3.30 in the morning, I posted on Facebook that people should dress up like pirates and go to the games. Wow. So, so... That is, uh, it's been affectionately referred to as my best bad idea ever.
0: And now, I feel like you're just in too deep or you can't ever stop, right?
2: Yeah, that's it, man. I'm just, I'm in it now.
0: Now, do you have, like, kids? Like, are you going to be, like, taking your children dressed up as pirates? Uh, or is that, it,
2: like... A- uh, trying, trying to convince the next generation uh, is, is always being met with resistance because all the kids are at an age now where they're too cool for this.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, how many of, how many renegades are there in your squad?
2: Oh, man. Um, I guess that, that have been doing it, doing it the longest has probably been, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe six or seven.
0: Okay. And how many Um, different people would you say have participated?
2: One game I had, uh, we had, what, 15? 15 pirates at uh, the top of the rotunda okay and that's i mean that was a pretty good amount no we we just we kind of we whoever can make it makes it so it's there's never like a set group of us we all have weird jobs so, so
1: have
0: we're are you a season ticket holder for the pirates were you a season ticket holder prior to this or are you just
2: i this? was i was and i'm not anymore only because my schedule is really difficult and it, it's I'm not one of the people that gave up my season tickets because I'm, I'm angry with the team. I gave up my, my season tickets because I had to.
0: <laughs> okay. And then is the rest of the group like season ticket holders, or are they just kind of game by game basis? And
2: uh, it's mostly game by game. We do have we do have at least one season ticket holder.
0: And you guys just buy a standing room ticket?
2: Well, we usually just get whatever the cheapest ticket is.
0: That's yeah, that's the best way to go about I, it. I'm
2: not going to use it, so I really don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to splurge.
0: Have you always been a fan of the rotunda why Why the Rotunda as your spot just because you could stand and be seen or
2: it's always nice to be up there because it's one it's it's a really great place if you've never watched it to kind of watch the game develop. Mm-hmm. I always like to be high and i always I have always preferred to be near the outfield and, and the nice thing about the Rotunda is that if you're sitting in the seat on an afternoon game, you are baking in the sun. I'm the only one on the rotunda that's getting wind. <laughs> it's the only part of the it's the only part of the ballpark that gets a breeze because it kind of has its back to where the weather comes from. So everybody calls me nuts for standing in the sun, but I'm also the only one with a breeze.
0: That's I mean that's a good way to look at it too. I, I mean, uh-huh. you
2: normally I'm divulging a lot of secrets about the rotunda being preferable over seats, and now it's going to be hard for me to get a spot, and I have no one to blame but you.
0: Okay, well let's talk about <laughs> the times when it was a little hard to get a spot. I remember. Not too long ago, that Rotundo was pretty popping. Pretty much every summer evening, you know, from 2012 to 2015, that's where a lot of like when I was in, you know, high school, college, uh, that's where people my age could afford tickets. Those were the cheapest ones, and like you said, it's a nice. Yeah, that's pretty much why we ended up there. And how did you ever have a struggle trying to find your spot, or is it kind of understood that that's like your reserved parking space?
2: It was funny at first. It was. And then, in in pretty short order, we would come up and people would just park. Uh, they would just they would make us room, and we'd get to stand there. And uh, I'm sure a bunch of them just wanted to be on television. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I always appreciated it.
0: All right, how much does your pirate costume cost?
2: Is oh it, God, I'd rather not know. You know what is I?
0: It like, is it I like Boltman, like ten grand or?
2: Uh, it's, I'm, I'm not at, at Boltman levels okay. of, of ridiculous spending. Are you, you, always... know, you, you You find some, some weird people with weird stuff on the internet if you look hard enough
0: yeah I was going to say are you always adding to it or do you feel that you've, you've got your look now
2: I, I'm pretty much in on my luck periodically we add pieces because things break or fall off or we upgrade but what you see is pretty much what you get now
0: alright fair enough so give me your favorite memory as a renegade uh, was it maybe being like on ESPN have you ever been interviewed or interacted with anyone famous from
2: this What's, My what's favorite one, it? it was uh, it was a Cubs series in April 17. Uh, Is whenever Dallas Braden was still with ESPN uh, oh. before he took the job with the A's. And uh, he came up with us. We talked to, uh, it was actually Eduardo Perez came in on a Sunday. And he talked to us about it and said, you know, we've seen you guys in the past and we'd love to have Dallas come out here because he's crazy. And he's right. Because if you've ever heard anything Braden does, he's a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two hundred nine came over during this Cubs series when the Pirates were getting absolutely shelled. They ended up losing that game like fourteen to three, and he came over and just went absolutely bananas. Like we put a bandana on him and a vest, and he was just running back and forth on the rotunda with a flag, and it's like it was like. Uh, Hey, whenever you give a kid too much candy mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just zooming around. His former producer for ESPN looks at me and she goes, He won't come back <laughs> So that that was a great time, you know, but he was hanging out with everybody. He almost missed the end of the game.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I mean Dallas Braden, yeah, he's someone I, I listened to his podcast starting nine. And, uh, I love Starting out. If
2: you've ever listened to Starting Nine, he talks about us quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say he has mentioned you. Now that I think about it, so mm-hmm. uh, that's that's awesome that you know DB made some time for you guys. That's really cool. And uh, and, he,
2: and the thing about it is we still talk fairly regularly. He's just that dude.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool mm-hmm. to hear. You know, yeah. I was going to say that time. I was hoping you would say when I visited you that time on. Uh, was, that was going to be my second. It was one. on Easter, right?
2: Yes, it was. That yeah. was the brawl game.
0: Oh my goodness. That was the Brawl game.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: my goodness. What a day. What a day that was.
2: <laughs> it was a very eventful Easter.
0: It sure was. All right. So I guess we'll wrap it up. Can you tell us where we can find information on this party? I know we just kind of laid everything out in the interview, but we could on Twitter, Facebook, where can we find it?
2: On Facebook, all you have to do is search Renegades of the Rotunda. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at PGH Renegades. And those are going to be the two best places to find out uh, any information. We're constantly updating it, keeping everybody posted. Um, I do have an event page that we link to. If anybody wants to come, please, by all means, uh, go to our Facebook events page. Let us know because I'm I'm trying to get a head count so that I can feed all these people. All
0: right. Chris, uh, on behalf of... A lot of Pirates fans, I just want to say this is an awesome event, what you're doing. We really appreciate it. Um, as someone who is, Jason's done a lot for, I appreciate that. And just in general, for an organization that's normally surrounded with a lot of negativity, it's good to see some people just keeping things positive and keeping it moving forward uh, for this team. I appreciate the enthusiasm as always, and I appreciate you coming on.
2: Well, thank you so much, man. Your support means a whole lot. Uh, keep up the good work, brother, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, man. Take care.
2: Take care now. All right,
0: bye. Big thanks to Chris Miller for what he's doing. Um, very. Him and the Renegades just doing this. This is awesome. Uh, the Pirates or an organization that sometimes there's not a lot of positivity surrounding, but guys like Chris, I mean, that's... And guys like Jason, too. Jason did a lot for me in my career. I mean, he connected me with a lot of people. Again, I the first time I really talked baseball with you, Alex, was on his, podga- his, pod, his podcast, excuse me, where we debated. And yeah. he just let you in because you're the analytics guy, and you knew him already. Yeah, well...
1: Uh, right.
0: but, Say that again?
1: Paid him off. It is alright. Paid him
0: off, yeah. Um, But no, that's awesome what they're doing. Uh, And if you can help in any way, it would greatly be appreciated by literally everyone. Anyone who knows Jason. Good dude. So, non-baseball stuff. Here we go. We sent out the bat signal. Twitter, once again, you came through big time. So, do I need to get uh, this open? Oh, also, I had a pretty good tweet. We're recording this on Monday. I had a pretty good tweet. Alex, you liked it. Um, <laughs> this happened. This little kid. I walked into the grocery store. We were going to my grandparents' house for um, Memorial Day. Or not Memorial Day, Labor Day. God, I know. Um, And in in And in the grocery store, this little kid was just arguing. He was like six, and he said the line. It was, it's called child abuse, mom. It's called child abuse, mom. Look it up. And it was because he wasn't allowed to get a candy bar. And he was, like, dead serious. It was awesome. It was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while.
1: That's a that's a future lawyer right there. Yes.
0: So we sent out the bat signal. We asked you guys for topics that we should talk about. Of course, Yen's Above Replacement gets in on the conversation. And he wants us to talk about Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, the classic Nick Nickelodeon show when we were growing up. Um basically the whole premise of the show is just like he just had like notes on middle school, right? Yeah. Alright. The yeah, idea. Yeah, so Alex, you actually compared yourself to Coconut Head uh very coincidentally a couple couple weeks ago, not even.
1: But yeah. whenever uh announced that you know I was gonna be working at a DKPS, uh you you sent out a congratulations to my friend Alex, and you, and you put a little photo underneath, and it was of us whenever we were doing our read for uh, for uh, Slice on Broadway, which
0: we still have to do this episode. Thanks for reminding me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so before we get going, keep going. All right, well, uh, and I'm taking a big old bite of pizza while you're while you're still hawking it, and. Uh, that day, I forgot that I ran out of hair gel, so I just I, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually I'm not actually working today. I'm just going to the game. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll just rock without any hair gel, and I looked like coconut head, and it was real bad. And I'm yeah. glad that that's the most. The best photo of us, maybe even the most recent photo of us. It was
0: the best photo of us at the best pizza place in the city of Pittsburgh, Slice on Broadway, which is where this part of the show is brought to you by, with locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park. Slice on Broadway has it all from their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or super delicious subs. Everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. They wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Be sure to check them out and tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you and that... Alex kind of looks like Coconut Head. No, but let's get into the Ned talk now.
1: Um, yes. So but he I, I have thinking about Ned's declassified ever since I made that connection in my head. So, you know, Brandon, or Mr. Yins above Replacement, you know, got that, you know. He, he, I've been thinking about this. This has been in my head for a little bit. And I know I've said on the show a couple times that I didn't have cable growing up. Whenever I did get cable it was my freshman year of high school. And one of the first shows that I gravitated to was Ned's Declassified. And that that was that was pretty fun. I have fond memories of that show. And it, the janitor I found out later was also the voice of, uh, of Jargon von Strangle on the Fairly Odd Parents. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Dude, I can't remember a lot of the characters. like I remember so the show was good. I do remember I really liked the show. Um <laughs> Just because it was relatable, you know, it was funny. Uh, Ned Ned was cool. Who was the Ned of the Pirates? Probably Cole Tucker.
1: <laughs> who, who would have a survival guide,
0: though? Oh, uh, Trevor Williams, probably.
1: I, I immediately went to, you know, Trevor and <laughs> Steven in my head.
0: Yeah. Um, so then the cookie, he was the nerdy best friend. Yeah. Um, who would be Cookie on the team? I don't know. They don't really have a lot of nerdy guys, do they?
1: Getting prepared for this. Yeah.
0: Who was the... Who was the
1: what? The Weasel. Oh, jeez. See, I,
0: I forgot all about this show.
1: will answer that, but yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, I thought Cookie was a good character. I'm just going to say that. Mose. Yep. Yeah. Um, were... Quietly. It,
1: it, was, it was a good, relatable cast that was funny by, like, live-action Nickelodeon There, It it was a good show. It was a good show. we're not not talking, like, S-tier Drake and Josh, but, you know, comfortably in that A-tier.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was by no means Drake and Josh, but, uh, I don't know. It was an okay show. I'm not going to even look it up anymore. That's all we're talking about it.
2: The principal was
0: kind of cool, too. All right, so we got that out of the way. Um, another thing that was recommended was favorite Lonely Island song. This comes from, who did this one come from? Matt, Matt underscore eight, AKA Matthew Skellia eight. And he wants to know what our favorite Lonely Island song slash skit is. There are a lot. Lonely Island, when I was in high school, they were on a heater, like a yeah. big one. Um, I think the Dick in the Box is a classic. I mean, every uh, every Christmas time, that's like a that's like a go to. That's one of the best SNL Christmas skits of all time.
1: Did you ever not? Uh, did you ever see? Uh, I had a friend in college who uh, that was his Halloween costume. He went with someone else. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, it's an easy one too. It's it's they tell you how to make it one in the
0: cut a hole in the box two. Let her put your junk in that box. Three. Let her open the box. That's the way you do it. Um, they had a lot of good ones, though. I like I'm on a Boat. If you want to really see some vintage Noah Hiles content, look up Mahoney, Mahoning Valley Scrappers. Um, I got my merch. I wrote a parody rap to I'm on a Boat for a promotional video when I worked in minor league baseball. And it was played on the Jumbotron. It was to advertise the team store. It was flames. It was flames. It was one of my best, some of the best content that I've ever created in my life. Um, I'm on a boat. Is classic just because, like, that's what's so great about Random I- uh, Lonely Island is, like, some they'll have, like, a very, like, catchy song for the most part, but then it'll just be so random at certain points. Like, my favorite song, I think, considering everything, is We Like Sports because that's pretty much how my friendships are with about 90% of my buddies. It's like... Hi, the game is on. Okay, I'll be right over. And they say, like, we're not like that asshole Steve or whatever they call him. <laughs> they don't call him an asshole, though. But, uh, but like, that, that's, that song is, like, perfect. But they have all those random-ass lines in their songs. I love Lonely Island. Like I said, when I was in high school, they, were, they dropped banger after banger. Uh, the Bash Brothers thing was funny. I just thought it was a little long. And then, what was it? Pop Star or Rock Star was their movie. There was a couple. Yeah, there was a couple good songs in that one, too. What's hey, your favorite?
1: Uh, just because everyone has to talk about on, I'm on a boat. Uh, not my senior class, but the class right before me in high school. They voted that as their class song, <laughs> which, legendaries. The stuff of legends. Um uh, in
0: Popstar, I really, really liked uh Vinus Girl. Is that the Bin Laden song? The Bin Laden song. I
1: I can't believe that wasn't another uh, I bought a boat. That's
0: just That's crazy. I mean that's like a very freaking funny song. Yes. Um it, I just had sex I, was also like that was like I think their last like at the end of their run.
1: Yeah, that was their last big, big hit. I I also well the movie kinda I think ended it also mm-hmm. because they went their lives uh it on the ground though that is happy out. birthday to
0: the ground i don't need your handouts i'm an adult yeah,
1: that, that's just all sorts of beautiful
0: <laughs> two hollywood phonies trying to give me their autograph <laughs> that's dude that's a good question that matt, matt underscore eight uh, any other good ones that you want to recommend? I mean, I, I wasn't wanted, a fan of the Jack Sparrow one.
1: I I, I like the Jack Sparrow one. Um,
0: the Creep, also. I did not like that one.
1: I'm not that big a fan of the Creep. I'm not that big a fan of the Shy Ronnies. Yeah. Uh, I I really loved... Uh,
0: Jizzed like in My Pants.
1: Boss. What'd you say? Like a Boss.
0: Oh, yeah. Jizzed in My Pants was a good one. <laughs>
1: PG thirteen shows. So I'm not gonna
0: continue. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just funny. It's their song.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So that was right. a good one. Um. What else do we got here? We'll keep going down. See, we asked for non-baseball related stuff, and like everyone will like bring up like a really good topic, and then they'll ask for baseball related stuff. So Joe Boyd here uh, uh, asks GM candidates. I don't know, man. I mean. That's like you're looking at scouts and front office personnel. Uh, yeah. We'll get into that. It's off-season talk. Manager options, I'll wait for them to fire hurdle before we look at manager options. Joe Girardi would be my pick, though. Um, next year's budget, ask the guy signing the checks. I don't know. Mine. My budget, very tight right now. I'm currently fighting with the YMCA in Canton because they want to make me pay 42 a month for a membership, even though I know damn well. People have memberships there for $17. It's income-based and uh, student loan payments. And I'm like, yo, let's go. I work in radio. What's a month? It's a dope YMCA. It was built by Eric Snow, former Cleveland Cavalier, Eric Snow. But yeah, 42 a month. Like, LA Fitness, maybe. You know, but not for a YMCA. No,
1: no, no. That's, that's outrageous.
0: If it was, like, for me and Alexa together, then yeah, that's a deal. But... Planet This is like eight. I just wanted to be... I just want a hoop. I just want a ball. All right? So... But he also asked Joe Boyd, another loyal listener, Steelers record guesses and thoughts on small plate restaurants. We'll address the Steelers. We'll go real quick, Alex. Give me your division winners.
1: I've got Steelers. Okay. Patriots. Jaguars. Going wild card there. Uh... Cowboys.
0: Wait, Jaguars?
1: Yeah, in the South.
0: Oh, and then who's your West? Chiefs. Okay.
1: And then I got Cowboys, Bears, Saints, uh, Seahawks.
0: Okay. Super Bowl matchup?
1: Uh, Let's say, I, I should have thought this, too. Uh, Chiefs over Saints.
0: Okay. I have... I have the Steelers winning the North. I think ten and six. Um, and then I think the Browns will also go ten and six. I think the Steelers split with the Browns, but I think the Steelers sweep the Ravens and the Bengals. They have a better division record. Where the Browns go four and two in the division, and that will get them the division crown. Um, so Steelers win the AFC North. Uh, AFC East Patriots. AFC South I'll go Texans. Uh, AFC West I'm gonna go Chargers. And then Chiefs. I think the Chargers will go like thirteen and three. I think the Chiefs will go like twelve and four. So Chiefs will win the first wild card. Browns get the second wild card. The AFC champion. I'm going San Diego Chargers.
1: You know, I Philip's sake, I hope you're right. Yeah, Dude deserves.
0: Stop having kids and start winning, Philip. That's all I gotta say. Then NFC. I'll go Eagles. Um, Eagles Saints. Packers and uh, Seahawks, and my wild card teams are the Vikings and the Bears, and the Eagles are winning the NFC and the Super Bowl.
1: Okay, I guess I didn't give wild cards. Uh, NFC Rams
2: and
0: oh, I left the Rams out. Never mind. Yeah, Rams. Rams win the West, and the Vikings miss the playoffs again. So yeah, Rams. We'll say we'll say the Seahawks still win the West, and the Rams are just a really good wildcard team. But
1: yeah, That's kind of where I am. I think the Seahawks with Clowney just got you know mm-hmm. better. Uh, so I guess the wild cards to be Rams and let's say Falcons. Give them the give them some love there, and in the AFC, uh, Brownies and Colts, uh, Chargers.
0: Okay.
1: No, actually, no. Complete wild card. Brownies and Bills. Why? Bills, this, this is the year. You know what? This is going to be a good.
0: Browns and Jets yeah. would be fun. I think Jets are going to be good. I don't. Okay. You're entitled to yeah. that. Small plate restaurants, Alex. What are your thoughts on them?
1: On small plates? Yeah. yeah. I, if I want to go to a restaurant, I either am going to go to a fast food or a quick place, you know. Or a snack, or I want to actually get full. I don't have much room for the small plates.
0: Yeah, I'm not here... I'm not here to try hard when I'm going to a restaurant. I want to eat some food. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to be full. I want to I want leave the restaurant with my girlfriend and say, I need you to sit five feet away from me for your own protection tonight. Because I am that full. And I don't know what's going to come out of me. That's how I feel when I go out to eat. And I'll eat at some classy places, but, um, yeah, just, just give me, give me, give me what I'm paying for. I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent fine with paying, you know, $40 for my own meal. I don't really try to make it a habit, but like, I'll eat at a nice restaurant and buy like a really nice steak or something. But like, I better get what I'm paying for. Like, I don't want to leave your restaurant and then like need to go get a snack afterward. You know, if I'm going to pay, if I'm going to pay good money. Fair.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's a good mindset. I mean, you don't even have to pay that good of money. Like I, you could go to uh, maybe it's just the millennial me, but you know, go to like a gastropub type place, get a burger, get a beer or two. You know, pay the tip. You know,
0: give a big tip. That it's twenty five, thirty bucks, dude. I, I here we're gonna enter the Noah's thoughts part of the show now. Right. Cause this is a good transition. I have figured out the cheat code for Mexican restaurants. <laughs> Do tell. Everyone's going after the fajitas or the California burritos or these big these big or whatever they say on the on the menus. And they're all like eight bucks. Mm mm. You just get the three taco platter. They're like four dollars. Every one of them you go to, they're either like three dollars or four dollars, and you just get the three tacos and you load up on chips and margs. And you're good to go. I've figured it out. I've cracked the code on Mexican restaurants. You're welcome, everyone. Just get the three tacos. It's Mexican food. It's the, it's the best. So there we go. That's my first thought. My right. second thought. My second thought. It gets better. It gets better than my cracking the code. Tacos are a good option at Mexican food restaurants. Second thought. I have a qualm with the state of Ohio. I don't have many problems. This transition to Ohio has actually been a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And I didn't think it was going to go poorly. I just thought I'd really miss Pittsburgh. And I do. I like Pittsburgh a lot. It's always going to be my home. I'm confident I'll work there again one day. But the part of me that misses Pittsburgh more than any other part is also the part of me that my family and my girlfriend despises the most. And that's the degenerate gambler part of me. (laughs) <laughs> there's no gambling in Ohio, man. It sucks. I, and, like, when I say there's no gambling, I could find a bookie. I'm confident. We're not too far from Youngstown. You know, in Canton, I'm sure, you know, as big as high school football is, I bet you there's lines out there on Maslin McKinley games, uh, you know, or whoever else is playing. I'm sure there's bookies out there, but working at a radio station that did so much work with the Rivers, it was content. Like, gambling content, if you listen to the PM team, they talk about the gambling lines all the time. And I think it's also just because Pitt's been so bad at basketball and football lately, like, they haven't really been nationally ranked in a while for either sport, that Saturdays in the fall and all of college basketball season, the interest has shifted from big focus on Pitt to just a big focus on gambling. That's why people watch now. And that's, like, I was on Twitter this Saturday, the first Saturday of college football, and all of the all of the Pittsburgh media people, all talking about gambling. They don't talk about it at all on Ohio Sports Talk Radio. It's because it's not legal here. It makes sense. But, like, dude, it's just hell for me. I miss gambling. I don't miss it. I still do it. Um, <laughs> but I've toned it back. Uh, I think this year, my no-doubters are 5-3. and three. My bets, I went... Two, one and one, two and zero, oh, so three and one. I'm like three and four on my bets this year, and just because uh, I I was three and three and I bet Houston money line because it was like plus nine fifty last night, um, didn't work. But so I'm still gambling, obviously. But I just miss I miss having people to talk about gambling with. No one does it yeah. out here.
1: I I have never put down a. The only bet I have going on right now is, is if the. Indians would make the playoffs
0: or not. And which,
1: it's gonna be close.
0: It's let's talk about that. Uh tough series in Tampa Bay this weekend for my tribe. For the for my Indians. Um got swept by the Rays. Ah, just blew a couple leads on Saturday and Sunday. They had the lead and they ended up surrendering. I mean, you're not gonna beat Charlie Morton. I never thought that would be a sentence that was like so true. But like He's a beast. They have a huge four-game series against the White Sox that I think that they can gain some ground. Um, you know, they have, like, this month, It's they have, like, seven games against the Twins, which are huge, obviously. They play the Angels three times out in Los Angeles. They end their season in D.C. But aside from that, they play a whole bunch of, like, tomato cans. Like, they play the Tigers twice, or, like, two different series against Detroit. I think they play the White Sox twice. Um, the Phillies, I guess, are kind of a good team. It's, yeah. it's, they're dead, three teams are dead even, fighting for two spots. It's exciting. And all three of them are small market, kind of underdog teams that are fun to watch. I personally, I'm rooting for a Rays-Indians.
1: I'm still rooting Rays-A's.
0: I know you are. For the sake of the, for the sake of the whiskey. But, yes. so the question, another question was asked to us by, uh, Scott Ritz. Indians fans versus Pirates fans, the difference. Um, my, my, I have a couple noti- noti- uh, things that I've noticed, then I'll let you talk, Alex. First okay. things first, Indians fans have been very pessimistic this year because their owner basically said this past offseason, enjoy Lindor while you have him. I could not imagine how things would have gone over in Pittsburgh if Bob Nutting were to have said that. I, I really cannot fathom how bad things would have been. Like, if he said I mean, that in 2014.
1: It, that's actually what I was going to bring up, because in 2014, 2015, there was the, those rumors of, oh, another McCutcheon extension. Could it actually happen? And even at the end, at the very, very end, you know, Nunning was the last person to okay the McCutcheon deal. Because he knew, he knew for no other reason that as long as he had McCutcheon, he was spared some wrath. And once he was gone... That then the, you know, training wheels
0: are off. And I can't wait for Josh Bell to turn into that. The pressure to extend Bell. And he'd be an idiot if he took a yeah, dime Bell's from the Pirates.
1: MVP. Bell's not an MVP. No,
0: but no. he's the closest thing they have.
1: Yeah, but the closest thing... McCutcheon was the best ball player who has been in Pittsburgh since those last couple years of Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. And before, it was Dave Parker Willie Stargell. Yeah. And the... And, in Clemente, late 60s and 70s. There had been nearly 50 years of baseball with only like a five- or six-year blip where there was anyone at the at the same level of Andrew McCutcheon. Josh Bell, good player, you know, impact player this year. He is not that. He is not an MVP That's candidate fair. ever. All
0: right, so Indians fans, though, um, I like Indians fans. I love John Adams, the guy who sits in the left field bleachers with the drum. And is always pounding. Um, I think Indians games are fun to go to. I think the Indians fans that do pay attention are very good fans and loyal fans. But I've had a lot of problems with Indians fans. Uh, this, this area of Ohio, I mean it's a football town.' That's, they'll tell you that till you're blue they'll, till they're blue in the face and they make it clear. They act like Pennsylvania is not a football town. They act like high school football in Pennsylvania isn't amazing. They forget that there's a really good football team that plays at Heinz Field. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, it's where Kansas Hall of Fame, I get it. This is where the NFL was founded, I get it. But at the obsession with the Browns, it might be a nationwide thing now, but they cared more about the Browns when they were 0-16 than the, the Indians when they were 102 two and sixty. Once Browns camp starts, that's what people are talking about on the radio. That's what's getting the clicks online. And if there's a Sunday game and the Browns are home and the Indians are home, this year it makes sense. But in years past, when freaking Deshaun Kaiser or whoever else was their quarterback, I don't know. I mean, they love to tout, Indians fans love to tout out this like sellout streak that they had. At Jacob Stadium when the Browns got moved and, the, you know, those ninety I mean, the 90s Indians teams from 95 to 99, I think, is the most talented group of baseball players who have never won a World, won a world Series. Um, but I don't know. Their attendance is still, like, incredibly low year in and year out. And it shouldn't be because they have a nice park. They live in a sports city. It's not like it's, you know, California where there's other things to do. It's Cleveland. You know, there's a great downtown atmosphere by the ballpark. You have a very fun ball team to watch. You have one of the best shortstops in the game right now. You know, they've been very competitive, yet every year Cleveland's at the bottom third of the attendance. That's my big problem with the Indians fans. And if the Pirates fans had if the Pirates fans had what the Indians have, have had winning pennants, winning divisions, consistently going to the playoffs. An easy division to compete in. They've had the superstar that they supported with McCutcheon, but going out and making trades for big-name players year after year, signing Edwin Encarnacion a couple years ago to a big deal. I get that the Indians have also made cheap moves, but the last 20 years the Indians have been a couple ALCSs. They should have more support, and the Pirates fans would show up for that. Pirates fans are still a lot more negative than Indians fans, and they have good reason to be. But the Pirates fans would show up way more often than Indians fans do if they had it as good as Cleveland did. That's my analysis. What's yours?
1: I mean, you obviously know better because you lived out there and you were also, you know, in Ohio before, during college. You know that part of that neck of the woods better than I do. All I can see, basically, is what's happened across baseball where – the recession hit in 2008-2009.
0: Oh, you cited attend- spin, huh?
1: Well, it, it, because it's true. Yeah, I know. The recession and and attendance just never went back up. Prices have gone up, and it's alienated a large portion of potential fan bases. I know now, you know, the parts are, you know, buy a ticket, you'll get two kids' tickets also. It, it, it's still affordable to go to a game, but you can't buy season tickets. You can't it's not regular like it was back in the mid-90s whenever you could just go to the Jake for a couple bucks in Cleveland, and that's why they were able to sell out. It's a bad financial situation for small market teams, and as attendance starts to go down, I think the Pirates got a big, big rev-up. Uh, got a big, big rev-up whenever uh, they actually got good. They were so... You know, they were so craved for a winner. Mm-hmm. And I think, they learned, you know, they were that disenchantment started to go away at that point. So theirs just never really rebounded. While well, the Pirates are not that much ahead now, they are, you know, on that downturn now. They're in that disenchantment era now. And I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's easy to say, you know, whenever the winning starts, you know, Pirates fans will come back, but they really didn't in Cleveland.
0: Mm. Yeah. I agree. It'll,
1: better. It'll be better, no questions asked. But it, I don't think it would ever be as good as it was in 2013 to 2015. I think that's a scary reality. And I think that's something that even Bob Nutting knows. And that's why he didn't invest as much money so into this team. So, team, enough. Bob.
0: All right. We'll move forward now. Alex, um, I'm a survivor. I, I had a struggle with an illness this week. I think I might still have it. I don't know. But I am proud to say that I am currently in a battle with diverticulitis. And uh, I am winning, my friend. Let me tell you. I am winning.
1: Congrats. I do not know what that is, though.
0: So diverticulitis is when you eat something with, like, seeds. And this is probably a horrible—this is from my um, (laughs) Googling—self-diagnosed— Self-diagnosed diverticulitis also, I want to make that clear, have not seen a doctor and will not, but one day I woke up and my side was hurting, my left side was hurting. It was actually like right before I was going to go to bed and um, I was like, man, this feels weird and then it was on Thursday night, Friday, we had like a lunch in at my work and I ate a whole bunch of food and it was really hurting, it hurt all day. And I was Googling it, and I'm like, I must have this. Apparently, like, there's, like, something that gets, like, a little... Basically, something, like, bubbles up in your intestines. And it, like, it's, like, just, like, a little speed bump there or something. And you just got a little roadblock, and it hurts. And I've had that pain in my side all weekend. I've been battling through it. And it can happen, like, like, through, like, if you eat, like, apple skin on an apple or, like, seeds can cause it, like popcorn maybe, something like that, but it's not serious, sometimes, some cases, it'll take two or three days to get past, you don't even need to go to the doctor, if you go to the doctor, like they'll give you some general medication, it can be serious though, it's more common in like men older than 40, which I'm not, men who are out of shape, which I'm not really, Uh, like men who are obese, which I'm not, so I don't know why this happened to me, it is concerning. Maybe I just need to shut up and pay the $42 a month to get back in the gym. Um, but I beat it. And I'm happy to have beat it. So there we go. What do you play? That was the uh,
1: NBC, The More You Know.
0: Oh, the more. There we go. Yeah, it didn't really come over yeah. clear. All right. Oh, great. So. Oh! We have two more topics. One, JT Realmuto reaction. <laughs> this was Beautiful. tough. Uh, I mean JT Romuto, If you didn't see, it was on this. It was this weekend. There was a pitchers' ma- or a p- meeting at the mound. They're changing pitchers, and Jared Hughes is running in the game for the Philadelphia Phillies. And the camera pans to the catcher JT Romuto. and his face was just like the most annoyed, like damn it, I hate everyone on this team face. Like, he gave him <laughs> this look, and it was just so freaking funny. And honestly, Alex, my take on it, that's me pretty much every press release the Pirates have during the offseason.
1: You see, I, I like the uh, one caption that got viral, which is like, whenever you put your drunk friend to bed, but they get their second wind. <laughs>
0: I really like that one. I didn't see that one. Because like, Jared is just running with his head down. And he's just like, just shaking his head, like so upset. I love it. That's great. All right. The final thing, Alex, we need to talk about. This is obviously an audio platform. But you were receiving some attention on Twitter a few days back for the, lu- the, the sweet salad you have, the luscious locks, the Forever Flow that you got going on right now. And um, first off, have you ever seen the YouTube videos of the All Minnesota Hockey Hair team? No, I have not. You need to look them up right now. And anyone listening, stop this podcast, go look it up. They're the best. All Minnesota Minnesota All Hockey Hair team. It's a high school hockey state tournament. The guy just breaks down the best hair in the tournament. It's awesome. But Alex, you're getting some some guff for your hair. You've called yourself Coconut Head. I've been critical of the hair in the past. You're growing it out for locks of love. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do.
0: And uh, people were comparing you. Who were you getting comparisons to? Because you got your headshots done for DK.
1: Yes, yeah. I got a. I haven't watched season 9 of The Office, but. Yes, uh, Clark. Clark, yeah.
0: He was I, in the show. I, I,
1: oh. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a
0: good one. He was in the show Heroes. He was in the movie Hot Tub Time Machine. Sex Drive. Okay.
1: Time Machine. Okay.
0: Yeah, he's like the younger one.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty fair. You got,
0: oh. you got Steve from Stranger Things. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, that, that was our, our buddies over at North Shore 9 throwing me a bone. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> Here's a pity one, Alex.
0: Yeah, that was... But so now, Bossman wants to make you a cartoon, like yes. he does for the rest. You get your cartoon character for the website, and now you have the qualm, your cartoon's gonna have a lion's mane. How do you feel about that?
1: You know what? I, I know what I signed up for. All right. And you know, I'm at a wedding this weekend. I'm, I'm a groomsman, and the bride has told me multiple times, you're getting your hair cut. And I have told her every time, no, I, I'm not. So, I might be dead by the ne- time the, the next podcast has to come Why around. Why won't so you that... cut?
0: It's your wedding day, man.
1: But I don't want to.
0: Yeah, that, and it's not your wedding. You know, like... Wedding, no. No. Are you making a speech? Are you the best man? No. Oh, then you're fine. That's, yeah. Just gonna stand in the background for some photos. Who cares?
1: Yeah, seriously, I... I... You know, maybe if I was top one instead of just, you know, top three, you know, maybe I'd be, yeah. maybe I would but you know what? Nah, not for just a stinking groomsman.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, this ain't the JV team. All right. <laughs> Alex, any final thoughts?
1: Uh, I, the hair's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. When are you cutting it? Like, give us a date. I, I don't have a date. I don't know how long it takes to grow. How long do you need it to be? At 10 inches. Oh my god. And, and I've got a couple inches here, so it's, it's going and it's falling, so it's picking up pace finally, but...
0: 10 inches. Yeah. You're gonna need a ponytail.
1: I might, or I'd have to do the godforsaken man bun, or whatever.
0: No. I...
1: <laughs> Podcast says whenever I break out a man bun.
0: No, I mean, I'm serious, like, I'm campaigning for Dejan to fire you if you have to wear a man bun. I'm dead serious. All right. I'll tell him I'll do your job for half the price. I, I mean, like, <laughs> you can't do that. All right. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Stump. He's got a lot more followers than I do, at NoahHiles, at Noah underscore Hiles95. Be sure to follow our podcast on Twitter as well, at Radio. Keep tuning in. The buck season's almost over. We're not going to go anywhere, though. We appreciate you... Uh, Listening as always, do what you can to help out my our guy Jason Rollison. Big thanks to Chris coming on and doing what he's doing to help out. Till then, we'll talk to you next time. Saying let's go bucks.